The following criticism and commentary is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. Copyrighted movie clips are protected under the Fair Use Doctrine. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect the views of Minor and Landis, the firm, or its employees. Welcome back to Immigration at the Movies, the podcast that helps correct immigration mistakes in popular culture. And I'm here, of course, with immigration partner, Lynn Walker. And we have a very special episode today. Um, if you remember, uh, season two, episode 31, in that episode, we explored the movie The Terminal, starring Tom Hanks and Stanley Tucci. And it was full of immigration problems and, and mistakes. And, and we went over a lot of that. And I was really surprised at the time at the character that Stanley Tucci was playing. He was supposed to be the uh, what was he supposed to be again, Lynn? He was a, a CBP director who was located at JFK International Airport. Right. And he was acting arrogantly. He was eating an apple while this, he was destroying this man's life by telling him he couldn't return to his own country, nor could he enter the United States. And today we have someone who was actually in that position. It's kind of a big score for us. Uh, but today I want to welcome to the show Alma Montemayor, who is the retired CBP chief of operations. We're so excited because Alma brings with her a wealth of knowledge almost 40 years of experience working for U.S. immigration. So she has the credentials, the knowledge, the background to really tell us how authentic some of these movies are from an immigration perspective. I can give you the legal perspective, but she can tell us from her perspective as someone who has worked for the Department of Homeland Security and for immigration and Customs and Border Protection for nearly 40 years, what she sees wrong with these movies and what she sees right with them. I'm really looking forward to talking with her. So welcome, Alma. Thank you, Mike. Could you fill us in a little bit about your career and your history uh, with CBP? Uh, sure. Uh, so I started my career back in 1983 and I initially started as an immigration officer. Uh, after 9-11, of course, there was a merger of agencies and we were merged with Customs and with the Agriculture Department. And we became CBP under the Department of Homeland Security. So throughout my career, of course, I worked in many areas, uh, mainly having to do with immigration. And I finished my career in Houston uh, at the Houston International airport. Uh, and one of my signatory programs that I worked was the Global Entry, which became uh, not only a national program, but also well-known internationally. It was a program to facilitate the travel of people who pre-register and who would qualify under the program uh, so that when they enter the United States, they have easy access to the process instead of having to stand in long lines. So that was one of my signatory programs that I was highly recognized for by the commissioner of CBP. You know, we're going to review the proposal today, but maybe before we do that, Alma, can you share any thoughts with us about what you thought of our dissection of the terminal from, an, from a CBP directive? What are some of the things you thought they got right, if any? And what are some of the things you thought they got really, really wrong? How do you think we did in reviewing the terminal from your point of view? 
Well, I I saw your your podcast on the terminal, and pretty much you you covered everything that was wrong with the movie and a few things that were okay.、Uh, one of the major things is the role of the director. When you have a person who is not admissible to the United States,、uh, you never go to the director. The director is never involved. It's all done in the secondary offices by officers, a supervisor, and maybe a second line supervisor. And above all, a director is never going to go to a transit lounge to talk to an inadmissible person、um, and tell them that they can exit through a side door. Uh, that of course is never going to happen. That was like totally, totally <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> If you did get to talk to a director, would he be eating his lunch in front of you, as as Stanley Tucci was? Would that ever happen? That is a big no. You never ever do that. I mean, that you have to be very professional with、uh, with the people that you're dealing with. It doesn't matter that they are inadmissible. You still have to act very professional when you're in front of them, and eating is definitely out. No way. Of course, that's great to know that we we got close to you know nailing all of the things that were wrong with it from someone who really should know. So that's that's very、uh, heartening for us to hear.、Um, but let's let's get into the proposal today. Let's talk about that. This is a movie about someone who is being forced. Into a、uh, a green card marriage, and I do want to say, starting off, that we love this movie. I mean, Amma, you too. You you love this movie as well. I've seen it several times. Right, <laughs> it's fun. We love the the、mm-hmm. actors and 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 the the situations. They're hilarious. There's so much good about this movie, but the actual details of the immigration processes do they even come close? No,、uh, no, they don't. <laughs> and it's very confusing because they start out by filing a fiance petition, which can't be done in the United States, and it turns out into marriage. And the whole interview with the、uh, USCIS officer is, is totally incorrect. You know, from the moment that she enters the office of her boss, and she gets told that she is being placed under deportation. Uh, because she failed to submit the proper documents, well, USCIS doesn't do deportations.、Um, well, well, let me stop you there because that's the first clip I want to、mm-hmm. play. In this first clip, we are going to see Sandra Bullock walk into her boss's office. She's been called in. She's not quite sure why. Just for some background, it's never quite clear exactly what kind of visa status. Sandra Bullock's character has, but it appears that she is the editor at a publishing company. Right, and she's that sort of, kind of a cliche,、uh, romantic movie trope of the woman who's totally focused on her business. That's all she cares about is business, business, business. There's no room for romantic entanglements.、Mm-hmm. Yet she has this young assistant that she does get entangled with. Let's watch the clip. Margaret, do you remember when we agreed? That you wouldn't go to the Frankfurt Book Fair because you weren't allowed out of the country while your visa application was being processed. Yes, I do. And you went to Frankfurt. Yes,、right? I did.、Uh, we were going to lose Delilo to a Viking, so really didn't have a choice, did I? <laughs> we、uh, just spoke to your immigration attorney. Great. So, so we're all good. Everything good. Margaret, your visa application has been denied. That, that. And you are being deported. Deported. And apparently there was also some paperwork that you didn't fill out in time. Come on. 
Come on, it's, it's not like I'm even an immigrant. I'm from Canada, for Christ's sake. There's gotta, be, there's gotta be something we can do. We can reapply, but unfortunately, you have to leave the country for at least a year. Okay. Okay, well, that's, that's not ideal, but uh, uh, I, can, uh, I can manage everything from Toronto with no, video conferencing and internet. I can, unfortunately, I can... Margaret, if you're deported, you can't work for an American company. Until this is resolved, I'm going to turn operations over to Bob Spaulding. Bob Spaulding, the guy I just fired. I don't know. To me, as an outsider, as a layman, this seems fairly normal. What's wrong with it? Okay, well, let's just say she's in the U.S. on a non-immigrant work visa. The denial of a work visa does not lead to an automatic deportation. Um, so that's first and foremost. Like if you're denied and you're still in valid status, you can reapply or you can even appeal. There's a whole appeals process. So there is no automatic deportation as far as I can see. Um, and if you are in fact deported from the U.S., you need to stay out of the country for a minimum of, of five years. It's not one year like they're saying. So this is um, a tremendous hardship if in fact she loses her job. There, there are also some ethical issues here. So her immigration attorneys told her employer but didn't include her in the conversation. You would think, as any qualified immigration attorney would do, this is a, a, a conversation that would happen with the employer and the employee so that the employee understood the consequences of her actions in not filing her paperwork on time and also leaving the U.S. when she wasn't supposed to. So, Alma, in this clip, they mentioned something weird to me, and I wanted to get your idea about it. Um, so they said she w was in the process of renewing her visa, but she went to Frankfurt. What's your take on that? What, what's the problem with that? Well, the problem with that is that upon returning, she's no longer admissible because she de self-deported herself. Mm. So she left the country. She doesn't have a document, a legal document to reenter the United States. Uh, therefore, she would not be admitted to continue her process of the renewal. The fact that, uh, like you said, if if the documents were not filed timely or she uh, she didn't have enough documentation to get approved for her new for her renewal, um, that doesn't automatically make her deportable because USCIS doesn't deport mm -hmm. anybody, you know, in the first place. They may give her thirty days to leave the country and tell her you must leave and. If she doesn't leave, then she becomes a deportable alien, and then a, a notice to appear before an immigration judge will be issued to her. Uh, so, yeah, this process is like definitely <laughs> thumbs down. It's not accurate. I mean, and the other thing maybe um, I should mention is uh, for viewers who are confused, you know, she, she makes the comment, you know, I'm not an immigrant, I'm Canadian. The country needs you. I'm Canadian. <laughs> well, Canadians are not U.S. citizens or green card holders unless they obtain that status. Canadians need some type of purpose for entering the U.S. There are treaties between the United States and Canada whereby Canadians, for the most part, with the exception of two or three 
visa classifications do not require an actual visa stamp in their passport in order to enter the U.S. So if she left the U.S., and went to Frankfurt when she wasn't supposed to and had no documentation to prove her status, they may have made a mistake and just admitted her as a tourist. Many Canadians travel without visas. And so that might be the situation we're finding ourselves in here. But it's never quite clear what status Margaret held. That's right. It's not clear at all. Uh, but if she if if she was admitted under the as a tourist, mm-hmm. and yes, they don't need a visa to enter the United States uh, as a tourist. She still, if she's admitted as a tourist, she cannot work exactly. because she's here as a tourist, and she's exactly. still working for the publishing company. So that adds to her uh, illegal activities mm-hmm. with the immigration. Uh, something that uh, also is not very clear as to you know like what type of visa she has. Does she have a TN or an H-1B? Mm-hmm. I've worked with people who, for one reason or another, forgot to check their I-94. They were admitted in the wrong classification or the I-94 expired early because it was linked to their passport. Things get lost in email. People forget to renew their, their petitions. It, it happens, but... In terms of employment-based visas, you are not immediately deportable because you forgot to do this. There are processes where you can put yourself back in status retroactively. Um, There are a whole bunch of threshold criteria that you must meet to do that. So the dilemma here is real. What happens as a consequence of it is not. So in true romantic comedy fashion, we get a strange uh, situation, which is going to be hopefully fixed by a scheme. You cannot be serious. I beg of Margaret, you. I beg- we are desperate to have you stay. If there was any way, any way at all that we could make this thing work, we'd be doing there it. There is no way. I am, I am begging I, you. No, Margaret, there, excuse if, me. I we're in a meeting. Sorry to interrupt. What? What? Mary from Ms. Winfrey's office called. She's on the line. I know. She's on hold. She needs to be right I know, away. I know. I told you you were otherwise engaged. She insisted, so... Uh, uh, gentlemen, I understand, I understand the predicament that we are in, and, um, and there's, a well, I think there's something that you should know. We're, uh, we're getting married. We are getting married. <laughs> who, is, who is getting married? You and I. You and I are getting married. Yes. We are. Getting married. We are getting married. Yes. Isn't he your secretary? Assistant. Executive. uh, Assistant secretary titles. But wouldn't be the first time one of us (laughs) fell for our secretaries, would it, Edwin? (laughs) We're going to hold it right there. Um, so, So what about this scheme? I mean, is this even a good idea to try and fake a marriage for a situation like this? No, absolutely not. Should never do this. 100%. No, 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 no. Uh, Not a good idea. I will not represent anyone who even tries to come at me concocting this. It's a recipe for disaster for everyone involved, not just the lawyer who potentially, you know, can be disbarred, but also go to prison. Um, Both individuals who do this can go to prison and can face serious, serious financial fines, 
um, as well as uh, a lifelong bar from returning to the U.S. once deported. So, no, not a good idea. So the next clip we want to play is Sandra and Ryan going to USCIS. And Mm -hmm. this is a building that you're familiar with, Lynn. Yes. What was the very first thing when we were watching this together? What was the very first thing that you saw as unrealistic in this next clip? They just walk into the building. I mean, (laughs) you can't just- what's wrong with that? I remember years ago doing this. So if, if you wanted to go and like present an application, first, you don't file a fiance petition at the local district office. Um, there are other kinds of petitions that are filed there, but not a fiance petition. You would show up early in the morning, like before the sun came up and they would hand out numbers. This was like in the eighties and nineties. And if you were fortunate to get your number called, you would be able to go in and speak to an officer about a case that was already filed, or if you had an emergency. Today, you only get to go into immigration if you are personally invited, meaning you get an appointment notice from USCIS to appear for an interview or for some other benefits assessment. You just don't walk in. It is a highly secure facility. You can't just walk in. All right, let's let's play the clip. And of course, it starts with that. Okay. The line. Next, please. Just ask him something. I need for you to file this fiance visa for me, please. Wait, I want to stop it right there. What would happen if somebody actually did that? Oh, her privilege is showing. Um, there are security guards there. You you just can't walk up. And the person behind the window would most likely tell you to go back to the line. Um, but potentially everyone else in that line would make sure you went back in the line. It's USCIS in New York City. Hey! Oh, hey! Oh, hey! 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 Oh, hey! Copernicus, why don't you navigate yourself to the back of the line with your feet and stand there with your shirt? They don't play those games. Like, you're not just going to walk in front of people. Um, (laughs) And you don't really line up like that. Again, you're given a number. Once you Mm -hmm. check in, you're given a number. You wait for your number to be called, and then you go before the officer at the window. You just would not be permitted to cut up in front of everyone. And if you continue to disturb the operations, you would be escorted out of the building. So obviously, you know, the movie wants to streamline things and make it quick and understandable for the audience, but Mm -hmm. it's absolutely wrong. It's, it is. All right, let's continue. Miss Tate. Yes. Please come with me. I have a bad feeling about this. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. I'm uh, Mr. Gilbertson. Ah. And you must be Andrew. And you must be Margaret. Margaret. Oh. Sorry about the wait. It's a uh, crazy day today. Oh, of course, of course. We understand. And and I can't tell you how much we appreciate you seeing us on such short notice. Okay. So I have one question for you. Are you both committing fraud to avoid her deportation so she can keep her position as editor-in-chief at Colden Books? Now, you wanted me to stop the clip there. Why is that? No, the officer cannot cannot come out and say, are you committing fraud? I mean, you look at the application. The burden of proof is going to be on Margaret and Andrew to to prove that they're 
uh, intent is valid. Mm -hmm. And so you don't wait until the actual application is filed and everything is, all the paperwork is in uh, to make sure that, you know, you are making the right decision. If you suspect any fraud, then fine. You ask for more documentation for there's a, it's a long process, but no, you just don't come out and say, are you committing fraud <laughs> because she's being deported over there? So now we're going to give her this, you know, that it doesn't happen. Uh, well, a couple of things. Number one, for security purposes, you are absolutely not allowed to use your phone. If you whip that phone out, you'll be told to get out, like, put it away, turn it off. You can't use your phone unless the officer instructs you to. Second, again, you don't file fiance visas at the local office. There is a, a dedicated office where you file these. You don't go before the immigration officer um, typically for a fiance visa. There's an interview at a consulate, but you, this is not how this works. This is confusing the marriage case with a fiance case. You must have been smiling, Alma, when you saw this the first time. <laughs> smiling for the wrong reasons. I mean, there's the funny jokes, but then there's this too. You must have, it must have made you laugh. We're going to go a little bit forward and the CIS officer is going to explain how the process works and the consequences of marriage fraud. Let me explain to you the process that's about to unfold. Step one will be a scheduled interview. I'll put you each in a room and I'll ask you every little question that a real couple would know about each other. Step two, I dig deeper. I look at your phone records. I talk to your neighbors. I interview your coworkers. If your answers don't match up at every point, you will be deported indefinitely, and you, young man, will have committed a felony punishable by a fine of $250,000 and a stay of five years in federal prison. So, Andrew, you want to talk to me? So much wrong. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay. okay. Well, again, he's talking about a marriage case. So you don't get interviewed for a marriage case before you're married, right? They're not even married. They're supposed to be there to file a fiancé visa. What he's talking about is a Stokes process. So a marriage case. You file a petition with all of the evidence proving that you're married. You get inch called in and interviewed. Most officers will interview the couple together. And yes, they will ask them questions that only a couple should legitimately know about each other. It's only if at this point the officer believes that there's fraud involved, there isn't enough documentation, the documentation's inconsistent, or your answers are inconsistent, right? Which, which can happen. Um, then the next step would be what the officer's describing here is a Stokes interview. They will go to your neighborhood, ask your neighbors whether you two live there, how often they see you together, are you married, describe the marriage, have you ever heard fights, they will go to your place of employment, question your employers. Then they will also ask for other records. They'll, they will want to see your social media. Uh, what does your social media account say? And usually, you know, this is an issue that gets blown out of proportion because, for example, uh, people are nervous during the interview and 
don't correct themselves. So the officer may say, you know, how many children do you have? And I've seen couples who are legitimately married where the wife will say, we have two kids. And the husband will say, we don't have any kids. And like, she's sitting right there. Like, what do you mean we don't have kids? Um, how many times have you been married? Sometimes a surprise unfolds at the interview where the wife will say, we've only been married one time. And the officer will turn to the husband and say, is that true? And he's like, well, you know, and then the officer will want to see how this unfolds. I mean, I've had couples argue at interviews. I've had meltdowns. I've had fights at interviews. Um, and as you know, happily married couples fight and argue. So that's that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah. So um, fighting is not necessarily a, a clue that they're <laughs> that they're fraudulent, right? No, I mean, I've had couples. In fact, it might be a clue that they are married. Yeah, I mean, I've had couples who argued the morning of the interview and their body language during the interview was terrible. And the officer picks up on it and says, what gives? And they're saying, we're having an argument um, because of X, Y, and Z. This is what's happening. Um, and seeing how they interact will validate that there this is a real relationship. But I, I want to have give Alma a chance to, to jump in and see if she has any differing opinion about this. And um, what may, maybe from your perspective, what, what do you think could happen that might trigger an officer to suspect that there's fraud in this relationship? Well, you're, you're right in almost everything that you, in everything that you said. Number one, that it's a fiance petition that hasn't even been filed yet. Mm -hmm. He's just reviewing it. It's very difficult for any officer to establish fraud at this point because you don't know. Uh, the fact that, uh, you know, he's telling them about the, the, what's going to happen during the interview. Uh, yeah, rarely do couples get separated. And most of the time it is you want to interview the couple. Um, there's a lot of body language that an officer is trained to read. So you're looking at many signals that people send you when you're asking the questions. Um, so when you put them under oath uh, during the interview, uh, you just take note of everything. And then you you never give the, the people any information about the possibility of fraud. That's done through a letter mm -hmm. later. Um, you will receive a letter saying, well, you need more documentation or um, we're denying your your application because of this section of law. And if it's if it's fraud that is suspected, then you're going to quote the fraud. So, yeah, at this point, uh, he's totally not correct in what he's saying. So we're going to jump ahead now to uh, the point where. Margaret and, oh, what is his name? Andrew. Thank you. We're going to jump ahead <laughs> now to the point where Margaret and Andrew are in Alaska visiting his family, uh, which is, they're just lovely. And his, his grandmother is played by Betty White, one of my all-time favorite actresses. If you get chilly tonight, use this. It has special powers. Oh, what kind of kind of special powers. I call it the baby maker. Okay, well, then I guess we need to be super careful with yeah, that one, huh? Just, just don't throw it on the bed. I um, love Betty White. Love her. And she's yeah. so special in this movie. She's just so amazing. 
Um, so they're in Alaska. They've gone from being engaged to all of a sudden now planning a wedding and being in a wedding. And lo and behold, a very special visitor shows up in Alaska. So Mike, if you can play this clip. And Alma really knows that movie because she filled in Andrew for you. By the way. <laughs> I know. I forget who they are. Couldn't think of it. She really does. She really I has. That movie. She really has seen this a lot. I want to talk to both of you. Told you I'd check up on you. What did you do? Oh, I got a phone call from Mr. Gilbertson here, who told me that. If you were lying, and he strongly believes that you are, he would send you to prison. So I flew him up here. Dad. Luckily for you, your father negotiated a deal on your behalf. Now, this offer is going to last for 20 seconds, so listen closely. You're going to make a statement admitting this marriage is a sham, or you're going to go to prison. You want a statement? Here's your statement. I've been working for Margaret Tate for three years. Six months ago, we started dating. We fell in love. I asked her to marry me. She said, yes, I'll see you at the wedding. Alma. <laughs> I, I don't even know where to start. Okay. I have never heard someone say so many wrong things, one after the other, consecutively in a row. But f first, would <laughs> this USCIS officer go from New York to Alaska could chase down a potential fraud case. Is this how it happens? No, <laughs> big no. Uh, no, th that never happens uh, because actually there's no marriage yet. So you're chasing nothing. <laughs> uh, you didn't even know that if they're going to get married or not. So, uh, and, and then to waste the resources uh, to send an officer from New York all the way to Alaska uh, just to see if they're truly going to get married, it's just totally unreal. It, and there's officers everywhere, so you can send an officer if you really want to pursue this, which up to now, their case is really not a high-profile mm -hmm. uh, case to be pursued by officers. So, uh, so definitely, no, no, it's a no. It's not the way it happens. What do you think about the officer saying that he's negotiated a deal with the dad? I, that just seems really terrible to me. It is. And that is, that's totally illegal. So no, it's not going to happen. Uh, if an officer would ever offer some kind of a deal to someone, that officer is going to end up losing their job too. So uh, so no, there's no deals. You cannot negotiate a statement or negotiate a situation and promise anything. Mm -hmm. uh, if the person that is committing the fraud is responsible for committing that fraud and proven that he is the one that's committing the fraud, you just have to file the charges, but you don't negotiate the charges. Mm -hmm. You either commit a fraud or you didn't. Mm. So uh, Alma, last section, last part, towards the end of the, the film, um, we see Sandra Bullock's character admitting to him that this whole thing has been a scam. I, uh, I have a bit of an announcement to make about the, the wedding. Uh, confession, actually. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, I am a Canadian. Yes, Canadian. With an expired visa who was about to be deported. And because I didn't want to leave this wonderful country of yours, 
I forced Andrew here to marry me. Margaret, stop it. See, Andrew has always had this extraordinary work ethic. Something I think he learned from you. And for three years, I watched him work harder than anyone else at our company. And I knew that if I threatened to destroy his career, he would, he would do just about anything. So I blackmailed him to come up here and to lie to you. All of you. And I thought it would be easy to watch him do it. <clears throat> but it wasn't. Turns out it's not easy to ruin someone's life once you find out how wonderful they are. I'm of the mindset that she's in trouble for this. Even though nothing potentially was filed, I still think it's a problem because she's made a, a willful misrepresentation, not rising to the level of fraud. So I, I did a little bit of, of research. And so um, under the one of the USCIS policy manuals, it says fraud and willful misrepresentation are distinct actions for admissibility purposes, but they share common elements. So according to USCIS, a person who is inadmissible for fraud is always also inadmissible for willful misrepresentation, but the opposite is not true. So fraud requires two more steps than willful misrepresentation. And the reason I thought she would be inadmissible later on is because of this one statement. So uh, under the adjudicator's manual, inadmissibility is based on willful misrepresentation that requires a finding that a person willfully misrepresented a material fact. And so for an officer to say that someone was engaged in willful misrepresentation, the officer must find all of the following elements. So I'm going to read them. The person procured or sought to procure a benefit under U.S. immigration laws. The person made a false statement. The false statement was willfully made. The false representation was material and the false representation was made to a U.S. government official. So when I am reading that, it seems like you don't have to necessarily file something by her admitting to the officer that she was engaged in this scheme to try to get either a fiance visa or a marriage-based green card and the, the relationship wasn't real. To me, that's enough. But what's your view on that? Do, do you think what she did rises to the level, in your opinion? It does. Okay. So the thing about this movie is that he's filing the petition. Yes. So he is the one that is saying, I have my fiance. I'm going to bring her to the United States because I have intentions to marry her. So he is actually the one that is doing that. Uh, she is following along, but she's bribing him. If you would look at it, if it would really be investigated by an officer, yes, definitely. She would become inadmissible to the United States. Uh, and it's even a prosecutable, uh, fraud is a prosecutable uh, offense. So they can be prosecuted for that, both of them. 
uh, him as a U.S. citizen, and and of course she is is uh, bribing him to commit this fraud. But the likelihood of this actually happening in the situation of this movie is probably never going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not something that immigration is going to go out of the way to pursue somebody who has filed a fiancé petition and go this far into this possibility of a marriage fraud and spend all these resources on something that hasn't really happened. That's a good point. So they haven't really filed anything. Yes. So fraud is is hard to prove. Uh, and, and yes, the burden of proof is going to be on them to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that they were not committing fraud. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as it is, uh, you know, uh, uh, proving that the fraud has, a fraud has been committed when actually there's really nothing other than verbal, you don't have anything in writing. You don't have anything, you know, that actually says that they have committed the fraud or admitting that they had committed a fraud. So his pa- his dad thinking that the marriage is fake isn't enough to to rise to the level of fraud without more, correct? Right. Yes. You you fraud requires a lot of proof mm-hmm. uh, because it is a it's a heavy charge. I mean, you can prosecute people and people can go to jail. Uh, so you have to make sure that when you charge somebody with a six C charge or a fraud charge that you do have enough evidence and strong evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that these people were committing fraud. And in this instance, you really don't have anything, you know, Mm -hmm. not much, because nothing has happened. They're not married. Mm -hmm. The fiancé visa hasn't even been approved. Um, You know, so there's really not much for you to say, you know, I'm going to charge you with fraud. And just, I guess, a final question. The officer who's like adjudicating the petition would not be the one who would then investigate a fraud charge, right? I mean, that would get passed on to another division within immigration or Department of Homeland Security. I mean, he wouldn't go from being an officer behind the desk to a field officer. So when you have a case and you're adjudicating a petition, and you feel that there is fraud, there's always, you have to submit it for further review. And then it goes into the investigative side of USCIS mm-hmm. because they do have officers that do conduct investigations. Um, if this is a really strong case of fraud, which of course it isn't, um, you know, but if it was a really strong case of fraud, then it goes into investigation before they're fine finally charged. There's a lot of documentation that has to be gathered uh, in order for this to be presented as as uh, fraud and possibly possibly prosecute the people. Mm. It goes to court. So you yeah. have to have a strong case. Having that officer go and investigate himself reminds me of when I was a kid and my dad, who was a police officer for a time, we would watch the TV show Quincy it was, he was a medical examiner who would then go out and investigate the crimes that he was. My dad would, my dad would yell at the screen. The, the medical examiner doesn't do that. You've got a homicide. No, he did not. Oh, dear. How did they kill him? Tell me that. How did he die? I'm sick and tired of all this secrecy. He yeah. never does that. <laughs> it feels similar to that. So, Alma, the movie as a whole, can you give us a thumbs up or thumbs down for the movie as a whole for as an enjoyable movie? Right. 
That's an enjoyable yeah. movie. I agree. I, I agree. Okay. Yeah. But but can you rate it for accuracy of immigration processes? <laughs> Thumbs down. Yes. No. It, it's it's uh, the the whole thing with the immigration is totally off. But the movie in itself, it is very enjoyable. It's a romantic comedy, mm -hmm. and who doesn't like romantic comedies? My thought is this, fun. though. You know. The, the process, as, as you two have described it, is so much more complex than what they're showing in the movie. And of course, they're streamlining it for the sake of the story. Do you think a, an interesting movie could be made while adhering to the correct immigration procedures? I think so. Or is it too I complex? So. Yeah. It's not, I mean, I had clients who are just um, just kind of off the wall and funny and their perspectives and how the way they answer things and present themselves. I think there is room for drama and for, for comedy and it can be accurately portrayed. It can be, it can be. And I think it is important that uh, they get some of the ideas okay in mm -hmm. the movies, uh, but you know, then they go totally off. Uh, and I think it is important that producers or directors or whoever's uh, doing these movies that they should get more acquainted with the reality of the immigration processes so that mm -hmm. when they show these movies, at least they're a little bit more realistic. Of course, this has to be comedy, so they make it. You know, but you can, like you say, Lynn, incorporate the comedy into the real processes and not give false information out. Well, the screenwriters should probably enlist the help of, of you two to help with their <laughs> next script. <laughs> I feel like immigration in general these days is so misunderstood and so misrepresented sometimes and, and things are twisted, especially dealing with legal immig immigration or undocumented people, that it would be helpful if movies and TV adhered a little more closely to what the reality was. Mm -hmm. But I want to ask you, Alma, you know, how does someone like you who knows so much about this topic enjoy a movie like this? How can you put aside, you know, the, the knowledge that you have in order to enjoy this movie? You just have to see it. It's a movie and it's not reality. Uh, although you do want, you know, a movie to depict more of the reality of the processes because everybody watches these movies. And you don't want people to actually get the wrong impression of the processes because, you know, we see it in the movies. We have our idols. We love Sandra Bullock. So we definitely pay attention to that. And, and it, it is very misleading to, to the public that don't really know the immigration processes. So I want to thank... Alma for joining us today. I, I can't say enough. I She's a rock star. It has been so wonderful meeting her and getting to talk to her and pick her brain about these movies. So Alma, thank you so much for joining us. The pleasure was mine. And for our viewers, thank you so much as well for joining us. Stay tuned. We have more movie reviews coming. And uh, we look forward to hearing your comments, your suggestions. And if any of you have a movie that you would like us to review, please be sure to contact either me or Mike. Thank you once again.